Well, good morning. It's great to see so many of you out today. Last night we had a full room. If you did not get a program on your way in, I am so sorry for that. On the back of that is a place where you can make some notes. Just grab the person's shirt in front of you and just make all the notes that you want to this morning. Listen, if you're new to MCC, we are especially glad that you are here, and I hope that you stop by the new here table out in the lobby. I was going to have you fill out that little welcome home card, but if you didn't receive one of those, please stop by because it's important to us. It's important to me to know your name. Uh, you come into this place and you have the courage to get out of your car and to come in where maybe you don't know anybody else. Well, we want to know you, and the only way for us to do that is for you to let us know who you are. And so I, I'm glad that you're here. Those of you that had students going back to school this week, we're praying for our students. We're praying for their families. Those of you that homeschool like our family does, we are praying for you too because that means that you do not get a break, right? You are with them all the time. But what a blessing, right, to be able to lead our children. Last Saturday night, Brian Stone came and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ in baptism. We always celebrate life change. And it's so fun to spend my first hour here before service even begins talking with people about their desire to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And if you're one of those folks today, after hearing the message, or perhaps you came here today knowing exactly who it is that you're looking for, don't put it off. Make today the day that you do what Brian did last night, what another young man did, uh, what Brian did last week, what another young man did last night, and what we continue to see throughout the year, and that's people taking their next step. Well, speaking of next steps, this week we are in the New Testament. Praise the Lord. E even though I say that, I love the Old Testament. How many of you enjoyed going back through the Old Testament? Maybe picked up something that was just a little new to you. I, I know for us on staff, we just kept, we were just amazed at how God would give us just a, a little different perspective than, than we had after all of those years of going through the Old Testament before. Well, this week we are in the Gospel of John. If you want to find your way there, you can use your phone. If you want to put that on airplane mode, you can look at your scripture on the phone. But I encourage you to take a Bible out of the seat rack in, in front of you there because it, there's just something different about holding God's Word in our hands and also being able to make notes in there. And uh, I always write down the date, or I did for years until I filled in the margins. I'd write down the date that I looked at a passage of Scripture because it's always fun the next time that you look at it to see whether you've applied that scripture to your life or not, right? The next steps that you've taken. So grab one of those and make it your own. Last week, we finished out the Old Testament in the book of Malachi. It was God's final words, if you will, to his people before a period of 400 years of silence. And those words... Those words were a little tough to hear. Anybody ever hear one of those messages on the weekends? It's just like, man, that was a little tough to hear. Not, not just because I'm a boring speaker, right? <laughs> but, but the word itself was, was tough to hear. And what God had to say to his people after generations of them being his chosen people, just like you Christians are today. You're God's chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're there to declare the praises of him who, who brought you out of death of sin, right? Raised you to life. 
these folks just continued to reject God. And, and they did it in a variety of very subtle ways. In Malachi, he addressed three or four issues. Well, one was is that they were behind in their giving. The, the second was is that they, they just were disobedient. The things that God had asked of them, even things that they had promised him in coming into covenant with him, relationship with him, they did not do. But I think what bothered him the most was that they questioned his love for them. In fact, that's how the prophet Malachi began that little four-chapter book, was talking about God. It was the word of God himself speaking to the people saying, have you forgotten? You ask, how have I loved you? And he, he spends the next four chapters talking about his love for them. But that's what happens in our life, isn't it? When we stop fulfilling our promises. That's what happens when he isn't first anymore and we start backing away. We spend one weekend away, then two, and then three, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, just because of the way that we're made, we start to wonder. We start to question, is God even there? Let alone, does he care for me? Does he love me? This 400 years of silence, I'm not convinced that that was God being silent as much as it was the people had just stopped listening for his voice. And, and listen, when someone stops listening to you, I know it's that way on the weekend when you guys just doze off on me, right? Now I'm happy to see you go to good rest, right? But come on. But I just wonder if that's why God stopped talking is because the people just stopped listening to him. But he made a promise to those people and he made a promise to us back in Malachi chapter three, verse one. He said, see... I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant who you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And in John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, we are introduced to that messenger who introduces us to the one who has Come. And the messenger's message could be summed up in one sentence when he said in chapter, verse 29 of chapter 1, Behold, the Lamb of God, right, who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. Now, why the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, we got four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of us give us a perspective of how God broke the silence by sending us Jesus Christ. And Matthew and Luke, Matthew and Luke, they describe Jesus from birth, his physical birth. Mary, who was overcome by the Holy Spirit, who became pregnant. Joseph, who did not impregnate her, but who stood beside her as her husband-to-be, right? And we see the birth of Jesus explained their same way in Luke. In Mark, Mark chooses to pick up with Jesus at 30 years old when he begins his ministry. But John, and the reason why we're studying John right here is that John, the focus of his gospel is captured in chapter 20, verse 21, when he says, these have been written, these words contained in this gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John focuses on the proof. 
that Jesus Christ is who he said that he is, the one that God promised all the way back through the Old Testament. What a way to break through the silence with the arrival of the Savior. The question for us this weekend as we go back through this is will you let him break through? Will you let him break through the walls that you've built in your life? The times when you have felt alone and he has seemed silent because he is here and he is the way to eternal life. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now it sounds kind of like a riddle, doesn't it? Uh, especially if you're new to the Bible. The Gospel of John is many times the place that people say, start reading there. And I say, well, I'm not for sure if that's the place to start or not. It's great because it takes us all the way back to the beginning. It reminds us of Genesis chapter 1, right? In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word, the Word of God. And when John chooses the Word, I, I want you to think about what that means. Well, what does it mean? What does the Word mean? Mean Well, a word is used to describe something. The, the word is a revelation of a thought in our mind. It, it's audible. It's visual. It expresses a thought. Last night, we had this property filled with families. If you've driven by MCC over the last couple of months, and that's the reason why you're here, I, I understand that. When you see family out front, like last night, covered with mud. Don't you want to be part of that? When you, when you see people sliding down a, 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 a tarp uh, filled with slime down into the diesel ditch out front, don't you want to be part of that? I mean, it was a blast. Bigelow and I and, and Kelsey, who today is, today's Kelsey's birthday, so make sure you wish her a happy birthday. Um, but we were in here last night at 10 o'clock scrubbing mud off of the walls and the toilets. and I mean, there's mud everywhere. I apologize if you sat down this morning and raised up with a mud ring. That's just the way it is around here. But you've driven by and you've, you've seen these things. But in the beginning was the word. When John chooses the word, he's referring to the visual expression of a thought. God spoke, right? He spoke and what happened? The world came into being. He spoke again and life began. I want you to think of the significance of that when it comes to all that we've explored through the Old Testament, right? We have heard, we've heard prophets speak. We've looked at creation, the, the word of God spoken, and the earth was formed. Man was formed. We've, we've looked at a people who have experienced the blessing of God. We've looked at his commands and the reason why his commands are, are given. And all of that's great. It all gave us a picture of God and his character and his commands, his blessing. But here, here in the New Testament through Jesus Christ, it's as if Jesus or God is saying, hey, here I am, <laughs> right? Here I am in the flesh, all of these things that you've heard about me, all of these things that, that you've seen done, right here is where it began. It reminds me a little bit of the dating sites that I hear people going to these days to find a date, a life partner, or something in between, right? eHarmony, you know, farmersonly.com. Any of you looked at, I, I haven't looked at any of them, right? I, I heard Jake's got quite an interesting profile on Farmers Only. You can check that out. Jake's one of our youth guys. 
But you go to those profiles. Some of you maybe have your, have your, your, your uh, thing listed there. And, and the thing about those profiles is, is that we put on there what we think someone's looking for, right? So sometimes it doesn't resemble us at all, especially the pictures, right? With this Snapchat and all these different things that I guess they just call it Snap now. I, I don't know. All these different things where you can put a filter on yourself. If one filter is good, five's better, right? And, and so you put a picture out there and then it comes time to meet. You know, you're finally going to do a face-to-face -face at McDonald's, someplace fancy. And, and what do you do? You say, I'll be the one in the red shirt. Well, why, why do you have to tell them that? Because your picture nowhere resembles you. You know, you can't carry the filter with you. And you know, most people at this point in history, most people had that kind of a view of God. Now, God hasn't done that, but people have. And maybe you're there this morning. You have this snap view of God based on your own expectations of him, based on what other people have told you about him. And it in no way resembles him. The, these people, the world had established an entire religious system and they really had no idea who God was. Oh, yes, they had the law. Oh, yes, they had a bunch of rules. Yes, they had religion, and it, it looked like it ought to be. But listen, God breaks through the silence with a clear picture of who he is. And it couldn't be any clearer than Jesus Christ. And he starts with the reality that Jesus has always existed way before the manger. That's why John didn't start at the manger. He started before that. He goes back to the very beginning of recorded time. And he said, the word was with God. Jesus said in John 8, 58, before Abraham was born, I am. He's eternal. He's infinite. Jesus. Jesus was not only the closest possible fellowship with God, but he was God himself. The word was God. And so you want to see God for who he is? Look in his word. Look to Jesus. So when John equates Jesus with the word, this is what he's saying. He's saying Jesus perfectly reveals what was going on in the mind of God. That's Jesus. He is the revealed word of God. He reveals to us exactly who God is. Jesus is the physical expression of God. Jesus would later say in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. You've seen God. Now, Jesus is not only the image of the invisible God who has always existed, but verse 3 says, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was right there in the beginning, in the middle of the creative process, but it's more than that. Jesus as the creator, I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this. And that is Jesus as the creator, he holds all of creation together. He's the glue. He's the synapse. He's the connection. And without him, our lives fly apart. 
Without him, our lives fly apart. Without him, relationships don't last. Without him, there's no purpose or focus for our lives. Without him, we know not peace. Oh, there's facsimiles of that. But without him, we know no peace. We know no love. We know not joy or forgiveness. Without him, there is no relationship between the creator, us, and the creator, God. God's people struggled with this because they saw faith as religion, a set of rules, something that was separated from day-to-day life. And in many ways, we've done the same thing. But as the creator... As the creator, Jesus, he understood, he understands us, he knows us, and so he creates the rhythms that are needed for our lives. How relationships work at best. What rest is to look like. He's the shepherd who makes us lie down. He's the one who leads us to the still waters that we need in our life. You know, some of us, some of you have experienced those moments, have you not? where you have so busied your life that what does the shepherd do? Sometimes he allows things in your life to make you lie down. (laughs) He he makes you literally have to stop. Uh, Sometimes as Christians, we've begun to think that we're the one who spins our own world until God brings our world to a halt. (laughs) And we recognize that it is he who feeds us and nourishes us and keeps us. He guards our soul. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And listen, in him all things hold together. Verse 4, John continues, In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Understood. What does it mean when you understand something? When you understand something, you lay hold of it. You grasp it. You seize it. We seize something in order to do what? To possess it. So think about what he's saying here. The darkness has not laid hold of, seized, or grasped the light. The creation account in Genesis chapter 1 begins with darkness. And it is in the light that God brings. He says, let there be light. And it was in the light that the land was formed. It was in the light that the creatures of the sea were formed. It was in the light that man was born. You see, the challenge is is that darkness, by its very nature, refuses to come into the light. And so Jesus, he would refer to himself as the light of the world. The light of the world that had come to bring light so those living in the darkness of sin could see. The darkness of sin, what does that mean? The darkness of sin... It means those who are closed-minded to the truth. Those who are in the dark, who refuse to believe the reality that sin leads only to more darkness and to death. The darkness that's brought by our unbelief that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is, that he's the son of God. You see, the problem for us today is sometimes we think we're in the light when we're really still in the dark. 
just like in this room. We think, boy, this is about the brightest it's ever been in here. And it's true. We used to have windows that were all darkened out. And we put windows in a few years ago. And it totally changed the room, right? Light came in. And, and it's good to be in the light. Yet, many of us are still living in the darkness, even though we've got light all around us. Think about it. We have relationships outside of God's will and plan for relationships, and we believe that relationship is good, right? P -p People today, they, they live together. And it's not living together as in one's on the couch and one's in the bedroom. You know what, what it means to live together outside of God's plan. And we think, man, that's awesome. That works so good. There's no, no real commitment, right? We don't have to share each other's assets, right? It, it's all good. And we, we're, we're in the light, right? We've been enlightened. This is just so much better. We, 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 we have preconceived notions and thought processes, ideas that are outside of him, and we feel so enlightened, right? For the first time in, in, in our nation, we finally figured out that you're not born male or female, that it's a choice that you make at some point. I, I mean, the, this, is, this is the light that we live in. We experience pleasure, momentary peace. We experience happiness, and we think that we've arrived in the light. Yet it is darkness compared to him. My friend Andrew, I don't know how many of you know Andrew Shot. He's an awesome, awesome guy. And Andrew's into gadgets. And Andrew got this gadget that is, um, it, it's just an oversized flashlight, right? Uh, yeah, right. I, yeah. Did you just cuss? No, okay, almost. Yeah, no, almost. <laughs> I, I, that was my first thought when I got it. I was like, man, oh, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's got this light, right? It's a flashlight. And what, is, what does a flashlight do? It, it shines the light. You don't need a flashlight in a room like this. We can see everything just fine, can't we? We, we know where we're going. Life is just fine. We, we've got, goodness sakes, we're intellectual people. We found cures for things. We, we can make babies and test. I mean, we can do all kinds of things. So what's the need for the light? Well, when you've got a light like this. Oops, I put it on disco mode again. <laughs> but, but I mean, look at that light. It's so much brighter, right? It's so much brighter than, than the light as we know it. It's, it, and it's that light that Jesus is to our life. He, even though everything is so bright around us already, we think we know so much. Jesus is the true light that penetrates even the darkness that we're living in in the light. In verse 6, the Apostle John describes the role of John the Baptist. Now, you read about John the Baptist in your reading this week. And a couple Wednesday nights ago, we had a message on John the Baptist. You can go back and watch that and learn all about him. But he gives us this introduction right here. He says, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. John was a conduit, if you will, to bring, to introduce to us the light, the light, so that we could understand the difference between the darkness that we live in and the light that Christ has come for us to live in. And so Jesus is the 
physical expression of God. All things were created by him. All things hold together through him. He's the light that penetrates the darkness with hope. And what John, the apostle John does next is he identifies three different responses to the light, to the light of Jesus Christ. And they're responses that John saw happen while Jesus was here in those three years of his ministry. And they're the same responses that everyone in this room will have one of these three today. Verse 10, he, Jesus, was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Several years ago, a young woman was attending this church. She was a single mother. She had two young girls, young as in uh, elementary school age. And this young woman, she was on a medication that a lot of people take, pretty common medication, but she didn't know. She didn't know that one of the side effects was blood clots until the day that she lost her sight. She went from being perfect vision to having zero sight, not just legally blind, but zero sight. Living in the light, now living in the darkness. Now what made this young mom so spectacular in my eyes was that she immediately, she immediately went to the stage of knowing her daughters by touch. Right, she, she could feel their face and knew exactly which one, no matter how they tried to fool her, right? She, she knew it was them. By the sound of their f feet walking, she recognized which one of them that it was coming into the room. The way that they breathed, right? Everybody's got a unique breathing pattern. And, and she knew those girls by the way that they breathed, let alone the sound of their voice. You know, and as terrible as that physical blindness was, you know, there's something even worse, and that is spiritual blindness because when spiritual blindness hits we do not recognize Jesus because we are spiritually blind to him what does that mean it, it, it means that we've chosen to remain ignorant of his voice and his touch see just like her physical blindness she she could have chosen to just remain ignorant say I'm blind tell me who you are right I'm blind lead me around I'm blind I can't do anything the spiritually blind is so much worse because we've chosen to remain ignorant of God's voice. We've chosen to be ignorant of his touch. We've, we're, we've chosen to be ignorant of his presence and remain ignorant by not knowing his word. You see, spiritual blindness is a terrible condition. It leaves us groping around in the dark, uncertain, insecure, without hope. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we would recognize him. And how do we recognize him? We recognize him by his word. Everything that you need to know about him and how to recognize him is right here. There's no excuse for spiritual blindness. Yet some did not recognize Jesus. I find it interesting that the most religious did not recognize him. Why? Because all oh, they knew the law. Oh, they could quote chapter and verse but they had no relationship with him at all. They had ignored, it was just words to them. They themselves did not even apply beyond the day-to-day -day regulations. They had not the heart that the word brings. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
right? Jesus came first to the people who should have known him best. But scripture says they wanted nothing to do with him. He came home and they wouldn't take him in. John later wrote, the verdict is this. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Men love darkness. Boy, that's a foreboding sound, isn't it? <laughs> that's the word, men love darkness. Yet there couldn't be a more accurate statement of our lives outside of Christ. There couldn't be a more accurate statement for those who were in Christ, but who have denied him in their daily actions and fall away. Much of what occurs in the dark is done on dark on purpose, right? How many of you grew up saying nothing good happens after midnight? We changed that to nine o'clock at our house with the girls. <laughs> girls, nothing good happens after nine o'clock. Make sure that you're home and in the bed. But it's true, isn't it? Mom and dad said, if you are ashamed to do it in front of us, then don't do it at all. But yet, we close the door, don't we, when we want to do something away from everyone else that we don't want them to see. We, we close the door, we go to the basement. We, we put that filter on our phone that when someone glances over, they, they can't see what we're looking at because it's a darkened screen. I take that, that phone right out of Sarah's hand and I reveal what she's looking at on her phone. Sarah's my wife. I'm just joking, but it's supposed to be funny. But, but, but we darken our screen, right? We, we pull the cover over our head at night and, and, and we watch what we want to watch. We go out of town where, where no one knows us so that we can do things in the dark. I, it, it, when I was turned 40, which was a long time ago, I uh, went away with a couple other preachers. We went up Cincinnati. I mean, that's a, that's a distance of 90 miles. We went up Cincinnati, and we went to watch a Reds game. Don't ask me why I went. It was just, anyway, I, I was feeling soft, went to a Reds game. We sat on the first baseline, which supposedly is a really good seat. At least that's what my preacher friend said. And while I was sitting there, I thought, you know, I have never, I, I have never had a wild day in my life. And so I went, and I got a beer. And I, and I was sitting there on first line. I, I know you guys are so disappointed in me, and you'll get over it. But I was sitting there. The point is this. I was sitting there, and I had that big clear. They put it in a clear cup. Can't you put that in a cup where people can't see it? No, put it in a clear cup. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm 100 miles from home. I'm sitting there in that cup, and my preacher friend's uh, phone rings, and it's his wife. And she said, how, how are you enjoying that game? And he said, oh, fine. She said, well, you guys sure look good on TV. And they, there we were, right? They, I, that's, that's the camera. I just poured it out right there. Never again. Never again. Plus, it is, why do you all drink that? It doesn't even taste good, right? You have to force yourself. But I wanted to be a bad boy, so I was. And I got caught. But that's what we do. That's what we do in the darkness, but when the light comes on, my goodness, it hurts. <laughs> You've been in a dark room, haven't you? And that light is flipped on, and it hurts your eyes. And what's your first response? Turn out the light. We recoil. See, we get used to living in the dark. And when the light shines through, it hurts, and we reject <coughs> the light. You may not even realize you're doing it <laughs> when you're getting along so well in the dark. 
But every time you're rejecting the light. You know, it's one thing to have doubts about God, but it's another to deny his existence. And I've shared with you before that I believe there are very few true atheists. In fact, there are some in this room who have either said that in life or you're saying it right now. You're say, most of you are younger when you do it. You say it to your parents because you know that that's the way to reject them by rejecting Jesus Christ. And you know, we come up with labels for a lot of things. And I think atheists, atheism is just a label. I think it is a label that you use and you use it very easily. And you need to understand there are severe consequences for using that label. But you use that label for one reason, and that is so that you can stay in the dark, so that you don't have to be accountable to anyone or anything else, certainly not God. But I am going to tell you this, and I tell you it with all love, and that is one day, one day you will acknowledge him, and it will be the day that you're on your knees, and every knee will bow, and every tongue, even your little tongue, will confess that he is who he said that he is, no matter how what label you put on yourself. In fact, I've got this thing, Kyle. Someone wants to tell me that they're an atheist. I say, you just lay your hand right there. And I go and I get my hammer, my framing hammer, that big east wing, and I rear back and I come down as hard as I can on that, that hand. And you what the first word out of their mouth is? God. Right now they have other expletives with it. But that, I've never met an atheist a person who truly does not believe. Most, most just want to stay in the dark and not be accountable. And while it's true that the world ignored him, his own people rejected him, there are those who received him and who still receive him today. To receive Jesus Christ is to become part of his family. And you're like, boy, that's, so what? I'm part of a family. And by the way, my family really stinks. Well, you know why your family stinks? is because your family has been living in the dark. The love that they say that they have had for you, if it is not in Christ, it is no love at all. That's why you've been subject to abuse. That, that's why you have a distorted view of what your identity is, is because that family is broken. That family is living in the darkness, spiritual darkness. But God invites you to be part of his family. And verse 14 is one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible because it explains clearly what happens when we do recognize him, when we do receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's significant, to be a child of God. So we believe we receive, we become. When we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, when we receive the light and accept him for who he is as savior and Lord of our life, then we become children of God, children with a family, children, children with a home. What a way to break through the silence, huh? God himself. God himself coming to the world to bring us home to him. And so the question for us this weekend, after looking at just the first 14 verses in the Gospel of John, is will you let him? <laughs> will you let his light 
shine into what you think is already light in your life? Will you who have lived in the darkness, maybe even for generations, will you not resist the light, but will you keep your eyes open at least? Will you look and will you let it shine in your life to point out the things that could be different if you trusted him even for the first time? I hope you will, because he's come a long way. He's come a long way just to be with you. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for John. Thank you for John the Baptist, too, who, Father, I wish we could have spent more time on his life, but in these 25 minutes, it's more important for us to look at Jesus because Jesus is the one who was the light. John was so humble, just as many are in this room today, that are vessels, that are conduits of your light. But Father, you are the one that we worship. You're the one who changes us. You're the one who came to bring us home to relationship with you, home to, home to a life where, where darkness can't can't interfere anymore. Father, home to where we're loved and where we're cared for. Father, continue to move in our hearts as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you've come and you have questions, you've come and you'd like to talk about being part of this family, maybe you've come today and, and the light is just beginning <laughs> to shine into your life. Well, why don't you meet one of us back there in the Next Steps area? We'd love to talk to you about what might be next for you.